Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. Today, it's all about vengeance. Hello, I'm J-Law, but you can call me Justin. And that's right, we've seen The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves, which is in theaters now, starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, Andy Serkis, and John Turturro. Today's discussion and review will be spoiler-filled. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, well, you'll want to hop into your Batmobile, head to your nearest theater, and then come on back and hear our thoughts. Today, I'm joined by my regular goons. We got Kevin Hudson, Nate Shelton, and our special edition guest, Darcy Hudson. How are we, boys, after this Good. gritty, gritty bat flick? Doing well. I just I just think you should uh, take the theme song that you just played and play it for the next three hours, because <laughs> that is the soundtrack of the movie, so why don't you do that again? We'll talk about that. Justin, I thought you were going to come in. I thought you were going to come in here and be like, Hello <laughs> to you. Oh, my, you wanted me to go Riddler. Get. You wanted me to totally do Riddler. Riddler on it. I, I would have liked that. I'm Maybe more of a Batman time. character, and and this film is definitely more of a Batman film, and we will talk oh, about yeah. that. Oh, um, yeah. So I know we usually do these reviews in a what worked and what didn't work sort of style, uh, but I thought for this spoiler filled discussion we could we could try something new. Maybe just give us a a little bit more direction and structure, so we don't necessarily fanboy all over the place. Um, so I, I thought we could talk about different aspects leading us to our final thoughts and our score. And, and I'd like to start with what I think is probably the most important part of this film uh which you might think is batman but it's in fact the story um i want to know guys what worked for you about this story what didn't work for you nate why don't you kick it off for us i mean i was i think first off i was surprised at how much batman we got in this story i really thought and i think we all kind of thought right it was like gonna be more of a bruce wayne movie um but it was more of a realistic dark gritty specifically batman movie uh and i want to just quickly shout out probably one of the biggest things i liked about the movie um i know the movie feels definitely long and, and we can talk about the pacing and whatnot what have you but i like the way that the origin story was was blended into the movie i thought they they really helped us to understand so much about you know his backstory whether that be through his like longing looks at at the mayor's son or like the news recordings or just the stuff that we got from the riddler like it was a cool way of of covering that without having to show us again his origin story we get it batman's an orphan um and (laughs) and the movie really does do a good job of of hammering that home uh honestly the first hour of this movie it's one of my favorite comic book based mo- uh, movies of all time. I loved wow. what they did in that first hour. The third hour was so bad and unnecessary, <laughs> and and just ruined everything that I'm I'm, yeah. I'm at such a a, a lost conflicted to to say like I, yeah I am because I loved and hated this movie all at the same time. And when you give me two hours and 47 minutes to do so, I do have a lot of time to, you know, right. sort of bounce around emotions. Yeah, no, and I think it was Darcy or, or Kevin that were saying, you know, basically Batman was a detective in a rubber suit the entire time. That's the whole movie. That's the best part. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, imagine, imagine a police case where all of a sudden a whole bunch of cops are standing around 
And in the real world, a dude in a rubber suit shows up and goes, I think I can solve this. Of course, the yeah. cops are going to be like, you're a weirdo, man. But yeah. he can solve it because he's brilliant and, you know, gets to the bottom of things. Like, I loved the realism that they brought to this character. I've never seen that in a comic book movie done quite that way. Yeah, and, and I think with that, though, Batman was far more interesting than Bruce Wayne, in my opinion. We got more of him as a character in the cowl, and to the point of what you're saying, Kevin, it was normalized how he would just be in the room with other people. Do you know what I mean? Like, just talking. Yeah, and I, I, I liked that that was, he, you know, he's in his second year here, mm-hmm. and again, it's it's the way they sort of show us that instead of directly telling us that right. it's his second year where we he's not the best uh detective in the world no. yet he he still he's still figuring up. it out yeah. um yeah and and you see him falling at times and things like yep. that like when in that that moment where he flies down and then just gets decked by the bridge like that, oh, that was, was the first time he ever did that for sure that was the first time <laughs> right? he ever did that and I think that and also I, I wanted to shout out Matt Reeves's world building because yes um you know, he described this movie before we went into this. We talked, I think, in one of our This Week in Geek episodes, how he really wanted this to be a standalone film. And it, and it still very much can be that. There's obviously something we'll, we'll talk about near the end of this podcast. But he, he, does, he does do a really good job of establishing this world, this Gotham, and these characters to a degree that I am interested in seeing them again. But I think the movie does still do a good enough job at, at staying its own movie i don't know do you know kind of get what i mean 100 percent. yeah it's 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 taking something we've seen for decades now and it reinvented it and showed us this batman in a new light but darce i have to ask you're the comic Mm -hmm. book guy i know you're more marvel than dc do you follow the dc comics at all and if so does this sort of portray the kind of batman that they they portray in the comics Yes, so I do follow DC, but not so much the like weekly ongoing stuff. It's more the big story runs that you hear about later and get compiled that I read. But everything I've read of Batman, because he is one of the DC characters, I do find the most interesting because of that detective aspect, was really driven home in this movie. Like, again, mm-hmm. it, it showcases the detective aspect. He's not just a guy fighting a supervillain. That's what I think was my favorite part of this movie, was that the villain didn't have any superpowers. It was just two guys using their minds to fight each other. And yes, a couple of punches were thrown, but it was really just a game of chess on like a different exactly. level. So I loved, yeah. I loved that whole back and forth between the two and seeing uh, ba- Batman figure stuff out as he goes. I thought that was a really good idea. And also going back to the point that it's so early on in his, his career and the way that this movie sets up what his family's legacy is going to be looked at as, I feel like... That that turning point at the end of the movie, where he goes from being again the vengeance to the hero, uh, is also more maybe we'll see if, if there is another movie we'll see more of that Bruce Wayne side coming out, making more of an appearance to make a difference on uh, in the light as well as in the dark type mm-hmm. thing. So I think that'd be really cool. Like that's what I feel like they're leading towards with this whole story. So I really enjoyed that aspect. Yeah, that this is all about this is this is all about Batman vengeance and the transition from revenge. To hero and i think that's very much what batman the long halloween kind of kind of dealt with right dealing with his own emotional baggage to get to the next step is to be the hero that he needs to be not just being so rooted in vengeance and you know again you you pointed out darcy the the brilliance behind the the duality with with batman and the riddler you know both are brilliant men both are vengeful uh both are arrogant even 
at times. And I think that they, 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 they duel each other so well. But I will say, this is where one of the elements felt already very familiar to the Dark Knight. And Kevin, you're absolutely right. He's adopting what Matt Reeves does masterfully in this movie is take so many different inspirations, put it in a big pot, blend it all together to make his own impression and, and to, to remix it, to, to essentially remix it to tell his own, to do his own, as you were saying, Nate, world building and storytelling. I think that that's the success of, of, of what he's done here with this this movie whether it continues or not which it's going to continue obviously we're going to get more i will say you know you you brought up the the aspect of the riddler and i i will say i i kind of hoped that the riddles and the reveals ha- had a little more oomph to them i felt like the whole um el rata alata thing really didn't work for me where they kept being like maybe it's a penguin maybe it's a falcon um and it just felt a little bit odd given that like how quick the penguin was able to figure it out, and I get it. Listen again, we talked about the aspect that he, this is a, a Batman. This is a Batman that is not perfect yet. He's not the best detective in the world. He's only two years in, and I don't have a problem with him failing in this moment. I just have a problem with like the way that that he failed. Like it just well, kind of well, took me out of it. Felt a little silly. It's a bunch of BS that his riddle led him to assume that it was the penguin, and then in talking to the penguin, the penguin was the one that. Uh, clarified the Spanish and led him to the Falcon. Right. And it was like, really? That, the Riddler is very brilliant and very like, careful with his clues if that was his end game. Like, did the Riddler know that 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 the Penguin attended, like, Spanish class? Like, yeah, how did he, he, how he, would he have put grading, that together? Like, like some people, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I think that was a happy accident. That's the way I read that scene, is that right. they were both coming at it. Like, Gordon was clearly, like, just following... Batman's lead. Oh, like he did the whole movie. Well, yes, we'll we'll talk about that in a bit, but you're absolutely right. Like that was it. I feel like that's almost just kind of poking fun at the whole Batman universe and you have so many you like Carmen Falcone, the Penguin. There are the Batman, like so many of these Animals. characters in the universe are like, either have wings or rat with wings. Like yeah. they can fit this thing and I feel like that's again poking fun at it. Like there are yeah. parts of this movie that definitely pay homage to the Mm-hmm. greater Batman universe, be it like a bust in the study that clearly harkens back to Adam West in the uh, bat, his bat cave poles. Yeah. And then even later on with certain scenes, like definitely calling to mind Christian Bale's Batman. I feel like the, that little loophole was almost just being like, yes, it's a comic book movie. There are some dumb names in it. So I feel like that I enjoyed that. I didn't yeah. mind it so much. Even, even the, even the part with um, where, where the penguin is left tied up. And he's like, and he he's like, you left me tied up. And he starts and waddling, waddling like a penguin, 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 right? Penguin. That was yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was really well done. I just, yeah. I do think that, again, like, there's there's some some narrative choices in the movie that did kind of throw me off. And I also think the other thing that's going to throw off a lot of people, it didn't affect me as much as I thought it, it would, but because I had heard that the pacing for the movie was uh, uh, different. I think the pacing for this movie being a detective crime noir movie isn't going to be for everyone. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that are fans of superheroes and a lot of people that are fans of Batman movies exclusively uh, and haven't really dabbled in the comics. So I feel like there's going to be some slowness that's going to throw people off quite a bit. Um, and and it, it did for me a little bit. And again, I think like Kevin sort of pointed out, they're, they're, this movie I don't necessarily think had to be three hours long. Um, but I, I, I still enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Like I'm sort of fighting with myself back and forth but, but in, just it, on the pacing. 
But just yeah. to clarify, it's not that it was almost three hours long. It's that yeah. the third hour was unnecessary. As okay. soon as as soon as Alfred is maimed in that big climactic moment, and then there's a whole hour after that, that's yeah. the the point of the movie that is too long, that drags on too much, that doesn't pay off. It's not that mm. it was too long, it's that there's nothing that really happens of significance in the third hour that really bugged me. Well, let's talk about that payoff because that is my biggest gripe. You know, you have this interrogation scene that plays out between Batman and the Riddler. You know, again, there's glass between them, so they're not hand-to-hand combating like we had in The Dark Knight. And the reveal here, very much like in The Dark Knight, is there's there's more to the plan. There, there's more that's going to come. And in The Dark Knight, that led to some some serious ramifications. Here, it was it it was nothing. To Lackluster be, at best. Fell flat for me at that point. It was like the movie then was done an hour before, as Kevin was mentioning. I I don't know. I didn't mind that last hour as much as you guys did. Again, I feel like it was important to show like to give Batman the push or like show what he needs to do to become the hero of the city. Cause again, earlier in the movie, when he first saves the guy on, uh, after getting off the subway, he says, please don't hurt me. So it's easy to see from that one scene alone that the public fears Doesn't the like Batman. Yeah. They, they're afraid of him. They don't know what he is. He's just some crazy mm-hmm. guy in a suit for all they know. So I think that last act is really important to drive home the fact that like, again, first off, I love the reveal that like, why was he using a carpet tool the entire time for, as his main weapon? And it was, there's something under the carpet. And then again, it goes further that Gotham is, uh, is rotten to its roots. Its and that's roots, why yeah. he wants to flood it is to like, to they're burying everything away. under the exactly. rug. Sure. Everything really made sense. If you look at the, like the Riddler's aspect, aspect of like, again, trying to really make a statement with everything he was doing. So I thought mm-hmm. it was a really cool way of doing it. And again, with the kid being the first to reach out to Batman yeah. in that flood, again, it connects to that whole thing where kids see, the hero that they see the, the the like the the pure intentions when they're there. So like, sure, everyone's afraid of him, but he's here to help me. So why not trust him? And I I, I love that aspect. So again, that last hour was in my books not nearly as bad as you guys seem to make it out to be. Yeah, I think I, I think I, if he had failed in that moment, yes, it would have been that would have been shocking. But I do think that they yeah to your point they need to show him becoming the hero in that last final moment and if there was no one to save he couldn't have done he couldn't have done that if they're all crushed oh no 100% but but i i just want to be be clear it's not that i didn't like the last hour i just think that getting to this climactic part was a little as kevin said lackluster um and uh, for me you know having the riddler's goon uh, say the words, you know, I am vengeance. You know, that's the moment Batman realizes that that he really, his own ideologies bred and birthed the Riddler's ideologies. Yeah. If anything, it empowered the Riddler. And, and that whole interrogation scene, you know, reveals that as well. Like, it, it's very much this sort of checkmate, this this final piece, this final part of the game where you realize that, you know, the Riddler would not be what he is without Batman. And I feel like that, again, is very similar to The Dark Knight, which, again, had another interrogation scene that did reveal the same sort of characteristics to to Nolan's Joker that he was emboldened by Batman's mm-hmm. theatricality of, of being this caped crusader. So, 
right? Th- these are all wonderful points, and and you're absolutely right that it really does change the the perspective and dynamic of of who the Batman is for the city of Gotham. But I just wish that final scene, that final encounter, meant something. Sure, the flood is coming, the the water's rushing in. Sure, there are scary armed men in the the rafters shooting at people. They don't shoot anybody. They didn't kill the target, the mayor. They didn't kill anybody. They didn't do anything. They were like a a useless cause. So now it's just like, okay, everybody's a bit soggy. Everybody needs some flood pants like Millhouse. Um, But like it didn't didn't accomplish anything. The Riddler's plan, this brilliant psychotic mastermind, his plan sucked and it didn't accomplish anything. Well, the only thing it did accomplish is it leaves Gotham in a bit of a ruined sort of state that it's now flooded, right? Like they didn't. I mean, it was already ruined. It was already corrupt and terrible. Now it's just a bit wetter. (laughs) Well, it seems like it's flooded now. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how they deal with that next. And I, but I think I think the idea his his whole thing was to change the city to be the real change, and he he felt mm. as though only him and the ones who are the invisible, the people that are in the underground, that these these the you know, these different yeah the orphans they are the ones to actually create that true change. change. They've been living underneath the the higher ups for so long that they need to force this change upon them. And I think I think his goal was to end up with a yes, sure, a flooded Gotham, but a Gotham that he could rebuild and he could rebuild to his terms. But what he actually ended up with and why he's so upset at the end is because it is a Gotham that's going to be rebuilt, but it's a Gotham that's going to be rebuilt by hopefully the right people and not become this huge corrupt thing. But again, then we wouldn't have a a, a Gotham for the next movie. So we'll have to wait and see what that turns into. I Um, get all of that, but like the whole thing at at Gotham (laughs) Square Gardens just was silly and dumb. It didn't work. You could have established established all of this any other way and it would have felt more dramatic and more impactful. That's that's Uh, my only qualm. I I like how much you're brushing off this water. Like that was a lot of water. Do you see how (laughs) high up that stadium it was at the end of the movie? Like it was, the the city was underwater. That's going to be having lasting ramifications. And they talk about how, and even Riddler says, those who aren't flushed away by the water will have to deal with it. Yes, I get it, but... It didn't come you off. You gotta think thousands died big. during that. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. But it didn't come sure. off that way in the movie. Yeah, Bef- interesting. Before we before we move on, can I just really quickly shout out? Like there there are for people who are fans of Batman movies, there are still action moments in this movie that are gonna hit. The action like, is some of the best, dude. Like the his his escape from from Gotham PD was felt very Dark Knight. Um, the scene in the hallway, what we've seen in the trailers, but it's like the, with the lights going off with the guns and stuff. And then that Batmobile chase. Can we talk about the Batmobile chase? Well, I, I just want to touch on that. And, I'm, and, 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 and I'll fully agree. The action was awesome in this movie. It was so real and gritty and amazing. And I had already seen it in the two-minute trailer. <laughs> I'd seen every yeah. moment of action out of yeah. this three-hour movie in that two-minute trailer. Yeah. There was nothing saved for the movie. It, yeah. it is it is true, actually. And, and that actually is one of my... Didn't work. They they did put a lot in the trailer. Like Even though we're doing a spoiler discussion here, I think that 
everything is in the trailer. If you if you're observant and you can see, it's all there. Even to the point of like Wayne's family being involved in whatever is going on behind the scenes in the criminal side. That's all very much very obvious in the trailers. And yeah, like some of the action scenes, all all of them. You're absolutely right. Were were 100 in the trailer and and featured in the trailer. And that's not to and that's not to take away from the action because it is awesome and even though we've seen it when it happens it's so awesome and so well delivered the way cameras are used and music especially is used to build up those action scenes you feel them like i was pumped up every time he was in there kicking somebody's ass or doing something vengeful if you will it's yeah. just a shame that it was all spoiled by the trailer. For sure. But the, I, I, you're right. It was so rewarding to actually see the car chase scene actually play out. And yeah, Nate, like I, I loved just the roar of that, that oh fucking my gosh. Batmobile. Like it, you felt like you were in it. I just like how it, it false started the first time you see it. It's like, ah, there's a little <laughs> yeah. bit of humor in this yeah. movie. It just didn't he work right away. A That's the yeah. only joke in the whole movie is the Batmobile <laughs> failing. That was the only time they tried to make a joke. Mm-hmm. I, I did. I did think that like it's in my mind, and again, how it's so difficult to not compare this to Dark Knight and and, and Nolan. Yeah. But but like if the tumbler represents like power and maneuverability, this Batmobile represents fear Monster. and speed. And and yeah and like and it, in, fear, in a way I like love yeah it. fear yes man it's, yes it's right but it's possible that the the Batmobile it's possible it did stall in that moment but I also kind of thought of it as sort of a moment where he's he's there and he he sees that the penguin is looking at this vehicle like horrified and he kind of almost does like a what like a what like a, it kind of reminded me of like a yeah I'm gonna get you but I'm gonna give you a chance to I don't know it was so well done and like him he was coming over him. the explosion yeah. like again oh. I know all this is in the trailer. But seeing it on the big IMAX screen, feeling the rumble in your chest as you're watching it, like, you need to watch this movie in IMAX if you didn't get a chance. If you're listening to this and you're going to go see it for a second time, go go see it in IMAX, please. Uh, I mean, it looked cool, and we're talking about realisticness and everything like that, but that was way too convenient for that one truck bed to slide in front of him to give him the <laughs> ramp over it. I gotta I say, everything moment. else with this movie yes. is very realistic, care. but that was just like... Okay, that one was the one that took me out of it a bit. How does that how does that line up for you, buddy? That's a bit superhero-y at that moment, right? Yeah, like that, sure. that's the a only time where it's like, oh, okay. But that's where I go back to this feeling like a Batman movie yeah. rather yeah. than the, this what this movie actually is. Yeah, I, I, I think the it's a cool call out to acknowledge the false startup because it kind of plays into his character. The car's not perfect yet. He's not perfect yet. Just saying. Yeah. It's kind of like... And he built both, that car. Both new. Exactly. That's the other he cool thing. It. Like, I like yeah. how he's kind of a... He uh, makes his own he's stuff. He's tactile. And, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. very tactile. It's it's Okay. It's okay. Can we talk about that for a second? Because for... I want to say months, but it's been years now. Everybody was remarking about how the bat symbol on his chest was going to be this big, important thing that he was going to use, right? <laughs> it was so tactile and everything. And all he did was unlock a door with it. That's what his bat chest did. And he cut the batarang at the end. He the cable at the end. That was yeah. a batarang that he used. But from his chest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He put them but together. Also, okay, yeah. fine. You bring up another moment. Why not cut below <laughs> yourself? Why cut above <laughs> yourself? He didn't have to fall into the water. All he had to do was cut an inch below his hands, and he'd have been fine. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> technically. 
Yeah. But then we wouldn't mm. have had that amazing slow motion moment where you're like, did he die? Did he not die? And then he gets up and he's fine. 30 seconds later, it was really dramatic. Yeah. He, yeah. he yeah. fell yeah, so was, he could save definitely... the people in the water. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He needed yes. to get down to ground level to really help people. Yeah. And that was he had his the flare, heroic he was moment. Ready to for go. sure. For exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah, well, you know, again, that that look and that feel of that scene was was intense. That that red light, and I think you know, with that, oh, yeah. let, let's talk more about look and feel. You like that? That's my first fucking segue in an episode. No, it's great. I like it. I like it. <laughs> anyway, I got to start off. I want to start off really quick, and just that title treatment was awesome. It, like it, it tells it, you right it, at the front what this movie's about, who it's about. Batman. Yep. It's just the Batman. Like and your it was chest so cool. does right now. I'm wearing the shirt right now. You can't even can't even see the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I, I did really enjoy the overall look for this movie. I thought Greg Frazier did a really cool job with like, it's so dark, very little use of color outside of like reds and sunlight and fire. Um, I love this, the look of this Gotham, how it literally does fall apart, like right in front of your eyes. And then I, I just... I think it was it had so many captivating and riveting images. A lot of them, to Kevin's point again, are in the trailer. So, you know, yes. you might have already seen them. But seeing them on the IMAX screen again, I wanted yes. I wanted so much of this movie as wallpaper on my computer. Like there's yeah. such incredible shots. They it was it was so incredible how like they just kept making everything look so big. I loved it. Right? Yeah. We're supposed to be in a grounded real world. And then here's this Batman and he he takes up most of the screen as he's walking through a club or whatever. And it was so well filmed in that regard that you like felt the presence of this guy every time he was on camera. And you're going through a club and like you could feel like you're in that club as the music's blaring in the background and it's bum. The lights bum, are bum. flashing. And then he's yeah. come like you felt yeah. it. Like that is one thing that this movie truly excelled at was making you feel like you were a part of these scenes. A hundred percent. And I think that the 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 overall look of just Gotham itself, so reminiscent yep. of all the past Gothams. You know, you see a bit of Chicago, you see a bit of New York, you see a London, right? You see you see mm -hmm. also L.A. aspects because uh, uh, in Batman: uh, The Dark Knight Rises, it was shot more in L.A. and they they appropriated some of the bridges and stuff like that. So you see that carry over as well. Uh, he took again; he remixed all of these different styles uh, of of the architecture to create Gotham that we know and we were familiar with, and then in interiors of some of them like Wayne's Tower that looks over Gotham that has this gothic very almost Tim Burton-esque it just it was a nice callback it was a nice callback and it felt fresh because you know I was imagining Bruce Wayne's uh, interior living to be very modern like Nolan's but here we got the opposite of that we got we got went more like Barokian style you know but we got the we got this like and that's the thing there's there's a lot of comic book influence in this very gritty realistic Batman 100%. and I think that's one of the cool ways that that this does set itself up apart from from Nolan's stuff I I also wanted to call out um a moment that I thought was so cool which is probably my favorite moment in terms of the look of the movie, uh, which is them slowly moving in on the Riddler. When the Riddler, when he goes down to the diner and you just see the blue of the diner and you just see him sitting there with his back turned, like that image is well, stuck I mean, that, in my brain. And then you well, see the cop rushing. Painting. 
that's a classic painting of right? like a New York diner that they just reappropriate for this really haunting scene. Like they're catching so the bad cool. guy and he's yep. he knows they're gonna he's gonna get caught. Like it's yeah, that moment was very, like you said, chilling to to experience. It was also very like Dark Knight allowing himself to get caught, right? In that in that yes. sense. But but like, you know, the look and feel and the is so reminiscent of 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 Nolan's movies, but it goes darker it goes grittier it goes more in that sort of david fincher seven zodiac aesthetic style of of the sort of noir crime uh that it, it does feel plausible because we've already been introduced to a very grounded world of of gotham well and you know what's neat uh nate the scene you're talking about specifically uh is based on uh, a painting uh oh, that's the called, painting it's called Nighthawks which is so okay. apropos oh. uh, by Edward Hopper. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it and, cool. and, and I just wish it wasn't in the freaking trailers, like every other mm-hmm. important moment of this movie. I know, but you know what wasn't in the trailers was, I, I don't think this came across when I watched the trailers, but it really came across watching the movie is the way that the camera moves as well. I thought with a lot of the slow, creepy panning in shots where, you know, they really emphasize the emotions of fear and terror that are so important to, to you know, it's such an important aspect to the character of Batman. But this Batman in particular, because he says, like, he can't be seen everywhere. He can't be everywhere at once. So he has to become the shadows. And I thought... Like that idea has been in Batman before, but this is the first time that I've ever seen it fully realized. And I think a lot of that comes through with the way this movie is captured at the same time. So I thought that was really cool that I was like, wow, the way the camera is moving and the way the movie the movie is like lit and 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 we sort of set the the, the where the camera is set up really helps to emphasize that aspect of he is darkness, he's shadows, he's fear. Like it's that's so cool. And so if only they had played that out in the last act of the movie. They didn't even capitalize on that whole idea that they established. Right. Like, he didn't come from the shadows. He didn't do anything. Everybody was just coming in to save everybody at the nick at the right time. Like, it just, it didn't capitalize on what was so brilliant about the start of that movie, where, like, every time we looked at a corner as an audience, we were like, is he coming? Is he coming? Is he coming? And that's the fear that the criminals had. And he never... Established or he never laid that upon the Riddler. He never got to do that to his biggest foe in this movie, and that's that's what was frustrating. Mm. I did think that there is a moment though, uh, right at the end with the canister of uh, it's like the the what is that called a fire canister? <laughs> what is it called? It, An extinguisher, it like it like a, extinguisher like a coolant or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the fire or extinguisher the or the coolant, coolant. whatever it was. He he he. He blew it up and there's smoke coming through and straight up horror movie vibes at that point, right? Where they're where the the goons are slowly walking towards it and you you even hear like the the strings, like the sharp strings, and he swoops out. And I was like, that's awesome. Like that did sort of bring that forward a little bit. But I get it, Kevin. They didn't they didn't necessarily utilize a lot of that opening monologue uh to the same degree throughout the entirety of the film. The one thing I, I like about it going back to the the look and feel and the camera work, the, the intimacy of the shots 
like there's such a perspective that fits both the detective and the serial killer things that are in focus for the detective things that are out of focus for a serial killer so it's almost as if the camera is also a detective and a serial killer i think it's absolutely cool. fascinating how yeah. that camera work was was done throughout both telling both stories of, of the villain and the hero i mean we're going to be talking about camera work or stuff like that or just how they decide to put a certain scene together is just the the culmination of that car chase scene where he was walking towards the car him slowly peering down was probably the worst choice they could have made i feel like it would have been a lot better if we got you know colin the penguin (laughs) for audio listeners justin's literally like coming down the screen basically i laughed i laughed at that point i laughed at that point they could have cut that scene right seemed odd yeah in a movie where we're getting a batman that doesn't have catchy quips and doesn't say anything that did feel silly because there was no payoff to it right just his feet walking up should have been enough to scare the shit out of the yeah. penguin but then him before he blacks out from the car and, crash like yeah and but like him looking down and not having something to say because that's not what our batman in this movie does <laughs> it did feel really silly it it it, it felt memeable that's that's mm-hmm. the big thing. There's going to be gifts yes. of that that are going to be memed on the internet is, all is over the, the place. Is I'm, this the I'm new Homer disappearing into the bush? Yes. Yeah. This Absolutely. Is the new- <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Just reverse it? Oh, amazing. Absolutely. There was, no, there was no need for that. I think they could have cut right when he was walking towards him, just like they did in the trailer. In the trailer, yeah. that was the only mm-hmm. thing they didn't give us was that scene when he yeah. peeks into the window because it, it was better that way. That ominous yeah. walking with your upside down. It was fantastic. That could have just been yeah. it. You know whose boots they are. I'm afraid of it already. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm, scared, I'm scared shitless. And then he pokes his head and you're like, oh, yeah, but you're wearing that silly rubber costume. You look like an idiot, man. Yeah, it, <laughs> and it, it, it does strip some fear away. A hundred percent. And I also think that Oz looked like he was really, really scared as he watched Batman walk towards him. And speaking of Oz, let's move into characters because I got to say, the scenes with with Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot was were, were, they were just scene stealers. They he was so outstanding. It was definitely one of the highlights for me. This did not look like Colin Farrell. I I could watch this movie five times and still not believe you. If I didn't know who portrayed him, I would not believe you that that was Colin Farrell. That was unbelievable, unrecognizable. It was incredible. The, I really appreciated that scene when they when they ended up bringing him back and they were actually talking to him more and how in that moment he he emoted so many different ranges all in that uh, makeup attire like it was just yeah it was unbelievable it was huge so good. huge huge shout out to Mike Marino who did the makeup for the Penguin for Colin Farrell and I think it's such a good team up here because yeah man like I I freaking loved this version of the Penguin and. He's so believable. He's he's a he's a mob boss and there isn't anything fantastical about him, but at the same time you can't take your eyes off him, not because you're distracted by the makeup, just because he's so crazy looking. Like he's so freaky looking. He, his eyes are are there. You can you can sort of still see, have, you know, his eyes. You can see Colin Farrell's eyes in him, but like he's just Have you heard uh, have you heard the story that he went to Starbucks dressed up in full attire? 
Really? Like full penguin attire when they were shooting, and people just that's kept staring awesome. at him. I, I thought I think that's funny that he even had some fun with it, taking that character into the real world, uh, if you will. But other characters that were standout. Let's let's talk about Robert Pattinson here uh, as our mm. our caped crusader. Um, I think he had a task here to 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 definitely yeah. stay behind the mask and you know again making batman more interesting and and bruce wayne was kind of like with glares and like soft whispers and sort of down but i th- i think that's what worked i think a lot of people were hesitant and afraid that robert pattinson couldn't be the batman but they were thinking about him being bruce wayne Fortunately, we don't get any Bruce Wayne in this movie, and he was perfect in being that brooding, secretive, under-the-mask Batman that this movie focused on. And so that worked wonderfully. If they ever shift focus and need this playboy, uh, you know, very uh, out-there, eccentric Batman, I don't know if, if he'll pull it off, but... The story they're telling here, it didn't require that, and it worked perfectly. He was great under the mask. I was perfectly fine with it. And it was cool how he didn't, like, he doesn't really have too much dialogue in the in the movie. Like, it doesn't feel like he does, and yet you can you, you see so much from his eyes and the way he moves, and his and it's just really. I was kind of really delightfully surprised uh, with Robert Pattinson as the Batman uh, in this movie, and I I just felt like. Um, I don't know. There were some really standout moments. Like my favorite part is him uh, driving towards Wayne Manor, right? And he knows some. He knows Alfred is in danger, and just him screaming and furiously driving forward. Like I just thought was fantastic. And I, I think in my like I'm gonna. I hope this isn't too controversial, but to me, I think as far as live action is concerned, I think he's my favorite Batman, but he's not my favorite Bruce Wayne. Right, and obviously we've been just, just talking about how little Bruce Wayne is actually in there this movie. There is no Bruce Wayne, so that makes right. perfect sense. He was <laughs> right. just the, he was just the Batman, and He's so a great in Batman. that regard, it's great. Yeah, and in, and going back to the the comics again, like that was very much the the case in his early years. He threw himself wholeheartedly into the Batman and gave up his own life trying to become this vengeance for the city. Yeah. And it's through his connection with you know uh, Catwoman and and all and all the other people he meets going forward, like Alfred, the Robins, that bring him into the light again, if you will. Uh, so I thought it was a really cool way of again telling this early Batman story where. This like Ron Pattinson was full into the Batman character, and I think my favorite, one of my favorite scenes of him was his first introduction to the the, the first crime scene when he's slowly walking yeah. around, taking everything in for the first time, and like you see him walk over and see the blood spatter, and of course the camera person's like, "Oh, what do you see over there? Oh, he found something!" <laughs> yeah. Like it's just you that one scene alone, you can already tell how much he is dedicated himself to his craft of crime solving, being able to tell it was. Uh, blunt force trauma that he was alive when the thumb was removed like all this stuff was just like he he has sold me on his batman i i believed him wholeheartedly i thought it was great his his batman's incredible and i don't think it would work if he was out there dropping playboy type lines right like i definitely would have not appreciated if he was a little bit more george clooney and talking about the Never leave the Bat Cave without it and talking about credit cards and stuff, right? This was, again, (laughs) the success of this movie was the fact that he is just a real dude in the real world in a bulletproof suit that happens to look like a bat. And so 
the fact that he doesn't talk adds to that mystique and that and that mystery and that weirdness that the character that they've defined required. But speaking of George Clooney, if you were worried you weren't going to get to see Robert Pattinson's nipples in this movie, rest assured we did get some great nipple action. We got some bat nips. It was nice and tight. Some bat yeah. nips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would say. I, I. You know what? I think you're absolutely right, Kevin. I. I don't. I think it would be weird to introduce the Playboy Bruce Wayne this early. I think that what this stays focused on is this this year two of being Batman uh, for for Bruce Wayne. That's not to say that I think in later movies, as he tries to maybe move away from the vengeance to become more of uh, uh, in the light, that we will see that. Because remember, even in Nolan's world, Bruce Wayne was was a was a fake persona to the Batman. It was it was what he did so that he did seem like, you know, he was in high society and he was important. It was a facade. Right. So I think that that could show itself here in, in, in future stories. But I like that this film is centered on. Batman because in other ones it's it's always about Bruce Wayne well, and well, Batman. The, the Riddler says it. This is the real you, right? But eventually, I mean, I love that they kind of lay the groundwork and that Alfred even says, you have to keep up appearances, man. Your your money and your financing to do this thing has to come from somewhere. And so I think eventually he'll have to find that that balance between his his mission and funding it by being Bruce Wayne, by being a bit more charismatic, doing shareholders meetings and that sort of thing. Exactly. But, he has to get involved. But I love right? that so, his focus yeah. is no, I live for the night. I'm in the night. I am the night. Like that's his focus. And that's what he's, he's going for. Yeah. I feel like if, if going forward, if we do get any more Bruce Wayne from Robert Pattinson, it won't be a Playboy style Bruce Wayne. He'll stick with the more recluse and go more genius recluse who sure. stays in his tower designing new products for Wayne. But still giving back, still giving back, and still, still giving, seen exactly, and still seen in a very in a very uh, philanthropic way of of giving back to Gotham and helping to improve the city with the, his wealth and stuff like that. And being seen that way, I think that is a more honest way to tell Bruce Wayne's story. I hope we get uh, more Catwoman as well. I thought Zoe Kravitz. Um, this is the best Catwoman, we, I, I think, as well that we've ever gotten. Uh, both, I think, for Selena Michelle Kyle and for Catwoman. Like a word. Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I think, I think, <laughs> I think Zoe Kravitz. Um, the version of Catwoman we get here holds her own, and she's not just in it for Batman. I love that we meet her sort of, and she's already so deep in the situation she's in. And it's not like she needs the Batman, but it's more that she sees the benefit of not having to work alone. Lonely. And I think that's what really attracts her to Batman specifically. Um, and I just thought that their their chemistry was great. Like I, I mean, thought they were I mean, they really did, good. Did she have a choice? He was all over her. She didn't have a choice <laughs> about choosing to have Batman be a part of her life. He inserted himself. And then I, I can't believe he even said, you know, like when I was watching you through the window, it was like, damn, dude, <laughs> you're just a weird creep, man. You're a weird <laughs> creep that, that, oh, man. <laughs> and she forgave him, apparently. Well, yeah, I also think it, it's interesting, too, that she's kind of at the same point in her life or in her sort of cat burglaring as he is as Batman. They're, they're fairly new at this. They're they're on the same playing field, right? Like, I, I think that, you know, she realizes that she can learn from him as much as, you know, he realizes he could learn from her, uh, you know, to help benefit moving this case forward. But that being said, she she was fantastic. I, I actually, 
I, I look forward to seeing her. I, I know, Darcy, we were talking about this and, and this might stem into something later, but seeing more of her in future future movies would be great mm-hmm. uh, in, in, mm-hmm. a, in a more predominant, maybe more adopting more of that criminal role. That'll be really interesting to see uh, if the cat will become a foe. So who, who knows, right? Um, but again, going through the cast, uh, let's talk about Paul Dano. I, I think he yeah. was... He, he was intense and he had he had such a wide range uh, but there were a couple moments that i thought were a little more comical i didn't get that at all like i, I didn't laugh did, yeah right off the beginning the heavy breathing over uh like ave maria his introduction seeing him shrouded in darkness and then thinking back to that like once you start to really recognize and understand who the character is his motivations he's invisible the first time we see him He's invisible, and I love, I love that. And again, that plays into the sort of the the cinematography and, and just choosing to have him be in the shadows, like Batman. There's Batman. so much parody. Yeah. Um, I think you know, it, it. I will say for Paul Dano, it's like he's the next most talked about villain in a serious standalone Batman movie. That's got to be terrifying to sign up for. Like, kudos to him for not only pulling it off, but he gives us a Riddler, Riddler that's over the top and yells, like we know from the Riddler. But he's very much, he's got his own identity. He's deranged. He's sharp. And he's focused the entire time. And I really, really dug that. He's in control. He's in control. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was no Jim Carrey. Riddle me this, Batman, and all that, (laughs) like, uh, you know, Adam West sort of thing. This was was a guy who, who, yeah, he was, he was more Zodiac than he was. Yes. uh, Over the top. Even though his, you said his plan failed. I feel like that was just, again, going to show his character. He, believed he knew exactly what the Batman would want and how he thought. And to have that thrown back at his face, just seeing him snap, I thought that, again, really drove home what that character believed, basically. Yeah. Like, he thought he, him and Batman were on the same page and had the same ideals. And that, I, it was an incredible performance on his part. He was really creepy, and I think that's exactly what he was going for, and he nailed it. You're absolutely right. He was terrifying. The way he 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 just emulated this stalkery, when Batman gets to his apartment uh, after he's, you know, had this confrontation with him or this interrogation and he opens up the video and it's this video and he's like, hey, guys. Um, hey, guys, what's tomorrow? up? Welcome to my yeah. channel. <laughs> I died laughing. Like it's it's, it, was, yeah. it was just like the scene with with Batman peeking into the wind, window with Penguin sitting upside down. It just for a moment, it just took me out and I laughed. Yeah. But just to combat that for a quick second, Justin, I did. I did appreciate the idea that that's that's. That's almost him putting on yet another mask for these people that he knows that he he can't fully be himself the way he is, the way he talks uh, to the Batman. I feel like he 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 knows that he needs to be approachable. He needs to be this person to to inspire these people to be a, a, a nice guy in those sure. moments. So I felt like I that's exactly. kind of what I got from that. I just want to quickly shout out, though, his origin story was probably my favorite aspect, aspect about this Riddler in that... Again, very similar to how it, you know, we talked about the parallels of Joker and and Batman in the Nolan films, but I just thought it was so cool that the death of Thomas and Martha Wayne defined him like Bruce. You know, he's an orphan, but because the Waynes died, he became invisible 
along with all the other kids at the orphanage. Broken promises, thought, yeah. That was yeah, yeah. right. That was so cool. The fact that yeah. they were able to give that parody, but at the same time, right, and show, but show how how it affects Bruce and him in in you know in similar ways. But it, but they go in completely opposite directions with them, and it's just ah, and, uh, well done. But like so well done. It was it was it was great in that regard to to have that connection to Batman. Um, but even just speaking about his online persona that that you mentioned, Justin, it it's. That was really maybe one of the biggest commentaries on where we are in today's society in that somebody with 500 followers could, could have that kind Amass of an that. influence. Yep. You exactly. know? And, and he was, as you, as you said, Nate, putting on that, that different persona. That was his online chumming up with his, his fellow people sort of persona. And, and all of that, those layers, that makes him even scarier and more threatening and, and, and more dangerous. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the parallels that the two characters had from, from their, their, their origin stories are tied to each other. And I think it was such a great call out to acknowledge that, you know, in, in that interrogation scene, we really do see the unraveling of how yeah. Batman feels like he is... Re- not just the death of his parents, but he himself is responsible for the Riddler yeah. being as we crazy did this as together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, the, that one problem I had with the Riddler was the fact that aspect of his backstory being so connected to the Waynes and the orphan history, just because one of the all time Batman villains is Hush, who has almost identical backstory right. to Bruce Wayne. So I feel like if we ever get that story in this universe, which I feel like this universe would be the one to tell that story, it'll almost feel like it's a rehashing. And I it's unfor- I feel like it'll be re- rehashing and it'll feel like the same old thing that we just got with the Riddler. So I'm con- that's my one concern with that story. I still really like how it fit into this uh, this movie. But again, going forward, it, it gives me concerns because I, I really want to see Hush live action because he is, in my opinion, Batman's greatest adversary. So For sure. That's For just, sure. yeah. Um, well, we also have some supporting characters. Uh, you know, we mentioned Jeffrey Wright as uh, Jim Gordon. We mentioned uh, um, Falcone, uh, played by John Turo. And um, we also got um, uh, Andy Serkis's Alfred Pennyworth. Um, so, like, guys, any standouts from, from these guys? I, I thought Andy Serkis was, was okay. I liked how he was He was fine. Kind of... He was serviceable. It, yeah, he, yeah. Everybody in this movie was serviceable. But, like, talk about wasting... Jeffrey Wright, John Turturro, and Andy Serkis. Like, these characters were there. I saw them. They did things. But did I really care? Did their actions and motivations and, and the things they said and did, mo- like, in, like, did they resonate? I don't think so. Well, Falcone I mean, apparently like, was, was, was the murderer Falcone, of his the, parents. Falcone, the greatest crime boss ever. The murderer of his parents. And I'm like, mm, okay whatever no like didn't it fall flat i mean yeah to me it was kind of i do agree that we didn't get enough of those characters like we already said earlier uh gordon was basically just batman's yes man he just kept saying everything that batman was thinking or re-asking the question to batman like it was he was just that's all he served this movie he did a great job in that role it just seemed like kind of lackluster in in that regard uh, same with like again, um, Falcone. Uh, that my favorite part about that whole story about how he was behind the murder was the fact that uh, even Alfred said that it could have just been someone else, that could have been someone random, which is the true story. Is that it was just some guy in a mugging gone wrong. 
So I know, like, but I they, like they, they always, in the movies, they always want to stray away from that, don't they? They always want to yeah. find somebody responsible instead of it just being the nature of Gotham and the crime that killed his parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I like that the the fact that you don't know who the killer is in Batman's story is a lot like the Spider-Man aspect where it's like that's why he doesn't like any crimes because any crime can lead to something like this happening. So I, I do, like, again, outside of tying Falcone to that, there was a waste of the character, like you said. Like, he was he was just there to be like, oh, he's the bad guy at the end after all. It, it kind of felt weird. To me, I, I kind of... I kind of wanted more of all three of them because I really did enjoy so much of their performances. I thought um, I loved how Gordon was he has such a kinship with Batman. It's like they're good buddies by this point. And, you know, everyone in the world sees Batman as like a freak. And even Alfred sort of sees him as this um, like a saboteur of of the Wayne legacy. But Jim is the one and only person who, at least for the majority of the movie, sees him as a hero. And I I really hope we get to learn more about that in the in the HBO series. I think would be really cool if we sort of learn a little bit more about that origin, even if Pattinson's not necessarily a big part of it, but just in terms of hopefully Batman still is. Um, With Totoro, um, this was I've never seen Totoro in something so well done before. Like I've you know he's usually in more goofy kind of roles. You haven't seen Totoro. Oh, is that is the case can, then? Okay. I mean, okay, he's a great like Cohen brothers sort of legacy. Yeah. Like he's he's yeah. Oh, brother, where art? He, he's wasn't he he's that? terrific. Such yeah. a good movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I just had to watch more movies from him, but yeah, he uh, he was like, I love how they sort of confirmed. Falcone killed Selena's mother without ever straight up telling us that it was him, but because, you know, he strangles, he strangled um, Annika, right? And then he tries to strangle Selena. And that in itself is enough to tell you, the audience, he also killed Selena's mom by strangling her. Um, And I just thought that was really well done. And the fact that they showed that through the character's actions and not through exposition was was really cool. Uh, And then for Alfred, like, he was such a he was less of a traditional Alfred. He you could sense there was tension between him and Bruce. Um, and I did I, I the only thing I will say that did kind of hearken too close to the Nolan verse was the I failed I failed you. Like I failed you. Well, he says I failed your parents. Um, but it felt very Michael Caine, like I, I, I'm sorry, I failed you, Mr. Wayne moment. Uh, and that that was the only thing that sort of I mean, took me I, up. Maybe like, it was like, I, do, I don't know. I do appreciate that like normally we're accustomed to Alfred just being the father figure and Bruce accepting that. And here we had to see that established. I, I, that was maybe the best origin part of this whole story was seeing that relationship formed. And Mm. I would love to see it go further where now Alfred's just like, okay, what do you need? What are you doing? Where are we at? What are we doing? I get what you're doing. You get that. I'm, you know, like, I love that. Like, I, I I was so frustrated at how awful Bruce was to him for so much of the movie. And then it took almost losing him to be like, no, you are my everything. You're the only real world person aspect that I have. I, I, I did love that connecting moment. That's why I think that almost needed to be the climax. The scene, the scene was really touching. Like I will admit like it, you know, I think, Andy Serkis did really good job, like with you know his emoting and holding the hand out, and I just, yeah, I, I I still enjoyed it. I just felt like if if there was ever a time where I was like thinking about the Dark Knight, it was that moment. Uh, I sure. mean, again, that's that's in 
part of Alfred's character is that he is Bruce Wayne's father figure. He raised him fr- since that point on on his own. So, like, I understand why that is in both movies because it's part of his character. And I thought, again, I nothing to take away from their performances. All three of them were great. It's just I feel like their characters were underutilized given what we have had or what I am familiar with in the storylines. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for a three-hour movie, it's crazy that we're, we didn't get enough of them. Uh, so, you know, so let's talk about Michael Giacchino's score for this movie and also the the Nirvana song that has played quite frequently through the trailers and in this movie. Uh, what do you guys think? I, 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 I do dig the Batman theme. I was I was humming it as I left. That Batman theme was great the first time. And then <laughs> after three hours of hearing the same theme, yeah, I thought they could be a bit more original. Sarah and I put on the Batman theme on Spotify as we drove to the theater, a 35-minute drive, and it was just the same four notes, bah, 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 like over and but, over again. But, Kevin, I think, to me, I, I initially I was a little uh, rubbed the wrong way with that, but I started to sort of understand it a little bit more because, in a way, if you, you know, when you listen to it, dun, 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 Duh. But then it never, it doesn't actually end. And it felt like to me it was carrying on this aspect of this ongoing riddle, this ongoing sort of like, what is the answer to this musical question just, that you're that's asking great. over and over That again. just seems like an easy paycheck, right? Like just, <laughs> I don't know. just slap four notes down on the page and have everyone play it for three hours. I, like, I thought it was I get what I you're saying cool. though, Nate. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. What you described though is exactly what Hans Zimmer did for the first for Batman Begins. He didn't he didn't create a score that had a heroic theme to it. He created a more ambiguous score because Batman was in the beginning stages. So I think that what you're describing is totally makes sense for how you know the theme for this Batman was approached. Well, I just like the fact that how much like they just took that one Nirvana song and pulled so much out of it to fit all these moments in the movie. I thought that was really cool. Like the fight, despite it being the score was just those notes. Those notes came from that Nirvana song that clearly had like just the feel of that song fits the tone of the movie so well. And I thought that was a really, really cool way of, again, drawing it out and really fitting it to every big moment in this movie. I thought it was a really, really cool way to do that. But I think that I think to Kevin's point, though, overall, the score isn't as varied as we've heard from other Batman movies or just movies in general. I think they they kind of in, in a way, it's almost if you listen to the score, you start to understand more who they really do want to focus on in this movie, because those are the characters, right? Batman, Riddler and Catwoman. And Catwoman has her own sort of big band sweeping ensemble string score, which was really cool, very jazzy. And then the Riddler's theme is just a minor version of, of Ave Maria, which is so cool because that's where they, they first introduce you to him. You hear that first. We hear it in the funeral scene. But then every other time we see him, they're playing this minor chord version of that song. And I was like, that's really smart and fun. And 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 especially if you're you know really into music, like it's 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 kind of it's fun to hear that and and to, to sort of say you know what you you don't have to think too much about this it's it's just going to be they're going to kind of circle back to these over and over again but again because there is so few of these themes they reuse them a lot in this 3 hour movie so i completely get that as well yeah i mean it's simplistic and that's kind of the whole point we're looking this is the most simplistic superhero movie comic book movie that that we've seen in the last 
10 to 20 years. But it does get a bit repetitive by the end. It's like, you know, <laughs> earn your paycheck a little here. This guy, this guy does scores, and, and, and all he did was throw a tuba in there, play ball, 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 and that's his whole score. I don't, I don't know. It was, but, it was but, a little underwhelming. But Kevin, I can remember it, and that's that's at least something. You know what I mean? We will always it. be able to sing the Batman yeah. theme. You know. There you go. Yeah, and speaking of scores, I think we should get into our final thoughts and score. <laughs> nice. um, and I'm actually going to start with uh, Kevin because he seems super salty about this whole movie. Like he's been going <laughs> through it. So I really do want to get his his final thoughts and score, which are going to be out of five. Batarang. So salty, Kev. Let's get. Let's hear it. That's that's so unfair because honestly, <laughs> for the first hour of this movie. This was my favorite interpretation of Batman. I love that they stripped it down. They brought it into a real world. And I was trying to picture being on the corner of Young Street and Major McKenzie. And then all of a sudden, this dude in a rubber bulletproof suit walked up and was like, I'm going to solve this crime. And it would be like, you're a weirdo, dude. Of course you'd think he's a weirdo. And I love that that's what this movie establishes, is how strange and unaccepted this guy would be in a real-world setting. We're not talking about superheroes. We're not talking about anything. This is just a really gung-ho detective who fights crime in a bulletproof suit with pointy ears. And I love that. The first hour was amazing. I was captivated. I just think that because they felt like they needed a big showpiece, a big set piece, something to, to, to really make a climax, the whole movie kind of fell apart. For me, the biggest moment was, was Bruce slash Batman racing home to save Alfred. And I was, I was with him. I was gripping the, 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 the handlebars of my seat. I was, I was, I was in it. I felt the passion. I was, I was concerned for Alfred just like he was. And everything after just kind of fell a bit flat. I don't understand what the Riddler's main goal was. And, and, and for that reason, the movie kind of falls apart. Uh, I think it was filmed beautifully. I, it, I've never seen a superhero movie look so big. Everybody in the frame was just so present and in your face and, 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 and framed so well. I loved it. Um, and and we, we joked about the music, but... As it built for those scenes, bah, 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 you know, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. You could feel it. I was, I was engrossed. I just wish they had something better to, 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 to cap off the story they were telling. So, unfortunately, the movie did fall a bit flat. Um, but I'm, I'm totally engaged and, 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 and in love with this version of Batman to the point that I'll give this... A 4.2 out of 5 Batarangs, specifically because I love how they told this origin story, and I can't wait to see where it goes next. I love this grounded, real version of Batman. Dope. That's actually higher than I thought you were going to go. Um, so I like the movie. I, 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 I love the movie, and I love what they were trying to do. I just think that third act really failed. That's, that's all I have to say. Cool. All right. Nate, how about yourself? So in the movie, um, Batman says fear is a tool and it's it's masterfully used in this film. I think the 
again, the look and the feel of the cinematography of the movie will stay with me for a long time. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed the movie. Um, this is a Gotham that once it's rebuilt, I do want to go back to. Um, so even though I think the movie does work as a standalone film, which again was Matt Reeves' goal, it it's it very much we can I can totally see us going back to it both before and after uh, the, the you know what happens in this in this film. Uh, the performances I thought were fantastic. I thought the cast was really really great, albeit I think we didn't get enough of some of those characters, like we said. Um, the score is memorable, and but it, but it's not varied enough at the same time. But it does do a really good job of carrying the themes of the movie, um, and the pace. As I mentioned earlier, it's not going to be for everyone. If you want a superhero movie or something paced, even like the Nolan films, this isn't going to go there. But I don't think it. I don't think it necessarily tries to at the same time. Um, so if you're a fan of of comic stories, uh, like as you mentioned, Justin, the Long Halloween, or even like Batman Year One or even film noir detective movies that build the tension slowly and procedurally, uh, then I think this movie is made even better by the fact that it's Batman, which is is just awesome. Um, So again, it it had some interesting narrative choices that fell a little short for me, but overall, this is a really, really solid movie um, that, you know, I think it just sort of shows that these movies, superhero movies, don't have to be all the same thing. They, They don't have to be what we're used to. And I think that's a really big accomplishment. So I'm actually going to give this a 4.5 Batarangs out of 5. Awesome. Darcy, how about yourself? Oh, well, I, I had only positive things to say about this whole movie. Again, being the fan of the comics, this was the most Batman movie that I've seen in the detective aspect of things. I loved the fighting, the action, the look of everything was great. Uh, and like Kevin said, uh, and and even Nate, like I mean, I do want to see more of this Batman story because it's so realistic and gritty. I can I I have a feeling that any story they tell will be a really unique uh, spin on this superhero genre that isn't your your massive fight scenes against you know superpower villains. It's going to be more this what's going on behind the scenes, the planning and plotting that gets them to that next step. And I think that that's where this movie really shone uh, or shined was that it really did well at at. Show it like showing how he went about solving this, this riddle or this crime. So, uh, in my opinion, it was a a, a big win. Uh, definitely going to give it a, a higher score. Probably sitting around four point seven out of five batterings. It was it's probably one of my my favorite Batman movie. I think just the more I think about it, I I find more things I enjoyed about that portrayal and and story. Yep, I couldn't agree more with all the sentiments that have been shared thus far. This movie was fantastic. From the look and feel, to the overall story, to the outstanding performances from the cast, this is top-notch cinema. Much like many reboots or reimagining of these characters and of this world, it's all about mixing and balancing. Matt Reeves adopts the best parts of the noir crime aesthetics of the 90s, plus some past Batman film aesthetics, while setting it in a Nolan-style universe, which feels grounded and real. He blends all of this together to make something that feels familiar and fresh for the Batman. For Reeves, it's all about the remix. He is less concerned about differentiating his own film from what has come before him. Rather, he embraces it to make something new and to make it of his own. As we've said numerous times, this movie is about the Batman, not the villains. They don't steal the show this time, which is why this film's strength is really trusting the character of Batman in the cowl as a detective. This movie really does lean hard in us 
feeling the connection and appreciation to Batman as a character. That being said, there are some narrative issues that I had with this film uh, that I've mentioned already. I think there were a couple moments that didn't really seem like they fit into the story. They were a little bit laughable for me personally. Also, you know, with Ke- I'm with Kevin, the sort of climactic ending at Gotham Square Garden was just a little lackluster. Um, but again, those those negatives are, are smaller in comparison to all the positives that this movie has going for it. Um, you know, again, it's going to be a constant debate. Is this the best Batman movie? Is this, you know, better than the Nolan verse? Uh, there's some people that'll say yes. There's some people that'll say no. For myself personally, I do think that this is the best Batman movie as it does focus really hard on Batman. And it feels like a continuation of the Nolan verse Batman, which I think is what audiences really, really wanted more than anything is to see more of this grounded world. And Matt Reeves delivers with this epic piece of cinema. This is a grand entry into a new world of the Batman and Gotham. Again, it feels like that continuation of the Nolan world, but with better action, more detective work, more rain, less of a bat voice, and way more Batman with a vengeance. So I'm giving this film a 4.5 out of 5 Batarangs. All right, so that's our final score and thoughts, but we are not done talking about this movie because it's all about the future. What is next? What is going to happen next? So with that, let's talk about that that big scene that happened. Uh, it was towards the end of the movie in Arkham Asylum. The Riddler is feeling remorse and frustration that his plan didn't work out. And then we hear a voice, and lo and behold... Rumors are true. Barry Keoghan is playing the Joker. Yeah. Guys, this was huge. This this is this is big. Another Joker in another Batman universe. Uh, what did you guys think? What did you guys think of this scene? Off the get-go, he is going to probably be the creepiest live-action portrayal of the Joker. He seems like the... From what we saw through that one little slit, uh, it, he looks heavily facially scarred. Not like he painted his face white. Like, it's scar tissue that has turned his face so white. And, like... It looked like half his teeth are exposed, almost very Two-Face style. That's what I thought, too. I was like, is that Two-Face? It, yeah. The, the clown and then the laughing, though, definitely leans yeah. to the Joker. Yeah. I hope we get to see more of that because uh, I feel like seeing a, a really deranged Joker like that would against our Batman would probably be a really cool story because there is no method to that, the Joker's madness. The Batman would be like grasping at straws trying to figure out how to stop him. And I, I'd love to see that in, in this universe. Yeah, mm-hmm. Barry Kilgan can play creepy. Like he's mm-hmm. he can play mm-hmm. sort of that standing at the end of a hallway looking at you and you just feel him looking into your soul. Um, so I, 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 I am very interested in that. I did feel like as much as this was like a really great fan service moment, that was the it was one of those things where I did sort of feel like but but I thought this was more of a standalone move. You know what I mean? Like I was like, oh, so so never mind. It is a trilogy. Like I is that where they're well, going? With I don't this, think or? that that's necessarily like there. That's that. It's just that they've introduced that character in this universe. Obviously, fans it's are going to further depth see to the world building. Yeah. 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 And who knows if we actually see him in the next one. Right. Like I, I would I would say make him if you are planning on doing a trilogy make him the villain in the third film right um i think that would be really interesting uh, to to see but you know again there's more that of this world that we're going to see we're going to get some some great spin-off shows that are are planned two uh one is all about the penguin 
and another mm-hmm. one is 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 about uh, uh, just the Gotham Police Department. And um, I think the Gotham PD show could be where they do establish the idea of the Joker, and 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 maybe that's where we start to see maybe. his him come into this world because we have the the gang at the beginning of this movie that are very much the Joker's leftovers, right? They're Joker gang kids running around um so i feel like that very they could very well establish that in there and then i also think i personally i just want to see jim um gordon really again get that sort of understanding of who like i want to see the introduction between him and batman i want to see how that relationship formed because they're so broy in this movie that it's 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 it, you want to, I, I don't know. I just want to see where that kinship started. I, I don't think that series, though, is going to have, have Jim Gordon in it, is it? I thought it was just about the police, and I don't think Batman's going to be in it either. I thought it was just about the Gotham PD. They're, they're very much doing like a spin off. Like Batman exists yeah. in the world, and he, he's yeah. obviously, he's we hear, but he's not, he doesn't, he's not a character. Uh, but I, I just don't, I don't think that would be as interesting. Because um, I feel like I don't know Gotham PD. You need to have your Commissioner Gordon, but or at least maybe even the start of. But he's Gordon. not even like, Commissioner. Him. He's not Commissioner. Right. He's not Commissioner. Movie, right? He's just detective. Yeah, he's right lieutenant. Right. Okay. He's so so yeah. he so then get him to show us that right. But like I, I also one more theory I want to throw out just as we're talking about the future, Mister Freeze has got to show up in the Penguin spinoff show because like Iceberg Lounge forty four below. Like, come yeah. on. I get that penguins live in ice, but, like, that's got to be a Mr. Freeze thing, right? No, well, no, right? He's, in the comics, he has the Iceberg Casino. Iceberg has always been associated to penguins. Okay. Like, that's right. just his thing. And also, and also, like, I, I think you're right, though. I think his character, I would love to see Mr. Freeze show up there as an introduction. And even if they decided to just keep him in there and then somehow found his way into the movie. I don't know how crossovery all this stuff is going to go. Like again, we're 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 living in a world where Marvel and, and Disney are doing their stuff on in theater and uh, on streaming and we've just gotten our first taste of that with with the peacemaker. It's going to be interesting to see though how how DC does try to layer these elements because I like the idea of maybe you know, they hint at the Joker and then maybe there's at the end of that series or that season of that series we get the reveal of right. as the Joker. I like yeah. that idea. Like, like just a small payoff. It doesn't need to be so involved that the story's no, about 100%. him. No, hundred percent. Yeah. Right. And and I think the same thing though about Jim Gordon. I think that you know we know where he's going to end up. Very much like many of the characters that we have already been introduced to in this iteration. But I do hope that this Gotham PD show is is much different from that um, the other Gotham show because there was a remember there was that. Um, Mm-hmm. That WB style sort of Gotham show. I, I, Benjamin McKenzie, I think, was was Gordon, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like again that was like a teen heartthrob sort of show. The so the, this sh- has... the shitty version of the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why you would delay introducing the Joker. He's been there. We've seen him. Now we want him. Any casual Batman fan, people who don't read the comics, who don't you know, know anything about Batman other than shows, movies, and, and, and whatever. I want the Joker. Let's go. You've introduced him. If uh, I, I love that Darcy said, no, Hush is the main antagonist that Batman faced. Mm. That's your third movie. But give me Joker in the next one, please. Give oh, me like Joker any time you can, as soon as you can. That's what I want to see. 
I, I'm going to agree, have to agree with you there, Kev, because I think if the second one would be a really cool story of Joker's a villain that you see up front, but maybe Hush is pulling the strings behind the scenes, because that would be a great way to marry the two. Because in my sure. opinion, the way that they've built this Gotham to be rotten from the ground up type thing, they're laying the, the bricks for the, uh, the Court of Owls, which has been around since Gotham's founding and is basically... They bred the city to be a cesspool of crime and everything like that. That was always their intention. And when Batman finds this out, it is like such a huge moment in his story. I feel like that is a, a story that deserves to be told in this universe. Yeah, like even if he, even if he takes out the corrupt politicians, the corrupt police officers, the the, the corrupt officials, it doesn't matter because it is so corrupt it goes right down to the bedrock you know and until mm -hmm. he has to face that and get there that's that's a great second movie he took out mm -hmm. all the shitty politicians and it doesn't matter it goes deeper than that that's yeah, where this for sure. story needs to go I like and that. i think that 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 groundwork has definitely been established i think we're on a trajectory of having the court of owls be a foe in this in this world of, of Gotham. So I think that's very, very likely. Well, I also, I mean, even adding more onto that uh, elaboration too, is the fact that Bloodhaven is thrown out there. Another city that the Court of Owls had their talons in that is also rife with crime. There you go. And the city where Nightwing operates. So again, they have definitely laid the, the little Easter eggs for all the fans to really build this universe. And there's a lot of directions it can go. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes next. They laid the robin eggs, you mean. Oh. Uh? <laughs> uh? <laughs> but of course, that wasn't the only bits of the future that we got. Uh, if you did stick around for the end credit scene, there is a little uh, uh, Easter egg, if you will. Uh, we see the, the Riddler logo show up and it says goodbye. And then there's a flicker of a website. Uh, Nate, I think you actually uh, know more about this. Yeah, so you go to the website. It's 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 rada it's radaalada .com is the website you can go to. We'll have the link in our description. I'm not going to spoil it, but you answer some questions. You're given a file, and that's all that I really want to say. Because honestly, I did it, and it's a lot of fun. And I really encourage everyone who's who's listening. If you haven't done it already, go to the website, and and you'll kind of see a little bit more of what Justin's kind of referring to here. But yes, there is. There's a little hint. Yes, and uh, definitely check that out uh, when you get a chance. Well, that's it for our spoiler-filled discussion and review for The Batman. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, feel free to leave us a five-star review. We always appreciate the love. Also, we would love to know what you thought of The Batman. Maybe you liked it more than some of us here. Maybe we're wrong about some of our opinions. Feel free to reach out to us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if you want to be a little bit more like the Riddler, you can tweet at us at wearegeekcentric or hit us up on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we have a ton of episodes covering a variety of different content from movies and TV shows. Out now, we have our spoiler-free review for Fresh, which is actually on Disney Plus now for you to enjoy. But if you're hesitant and not sure what to expect you should definitely listen to our spoiler free episode where we share our thoughts and let you know if it's worth checking out also this past week we did our this week in geek where kevin shared some bombshell news with us and also this past week nate 
hosted a recap episode for Pokemon Day with Canadian actor Monroe Chambers and Pokemon fanatic content creator Mitch George. So you can check those out. But of course, we always have new episodes coming out on the regular. So be sure to subscribe so you know when our latest episodes drop. Kev, Nate, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this spoiler-filled review and discussion. I appreciate you, and I am vengeance. Vengeance.